all I can think of, this is not a credit card commercial. All I can think of is the uh, Got Milk Aaron Burr commercial. I'm Burr. I'm Burr. I'm Burr. <laughs> you can you can sample that. It's in the so tragic. Right? It's just just us going. I'm Burr. Burr. Welcome to Dot Grid, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital. My name is Will Fengi, and I am joined, as I always am, by your other host on the West Coast, Mr. Andy Welfley. Andy, how are things this evening? Things are good, Mr. Fanguy. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'd be doing better if you could pronounce my last name correctly, and I know you know better than that. Just call, Come on. Just call me Waffles, and we'll be fine. That's what I call you. That's, that's what I call you anyway. That's, <laughs> that's how you're in my phone. That's your nickname. Whenever you, uh, whenever you send me a message that pops up on my new-to-me MacBook Air, it just says Waffles. Waffles. And then whatever random gif you have sent me, um, <laughs> which uh, we've really dropped off with that. Uh, my gif game is I, not on fleek as much as it used to be. I need I need to up my gif game. I think uh, it's um, it, it's different to send it via. We used to chat on Facebook Messenger a lot, and it's yes. a much different thing to send it via um, via messages now, which we use. So I just need to get I just need to get on back with get back with it. Well, I really like that, and you and I were having this discussion yesterday, I love that when I search for a GIF in Spotlight and it opens it up, it automatically animates it, but I have yet to figure out how I can pull something from either Spotlight or Preview over into Messages. Um, if we have any listeners out there that have some augmented GIF workflow. GIF, GIF though, wit, guys. GIF wit. Oh, GIF wit. All right, I'm writing that down. We'll put a link to that in the show notes um, that's recommended by your local GIF professional, Andy Welfley. Um, speaking of professionals, we are joined by uh, another resident of the West Coast. Uh, it's a friend of Andy's and myself, who I did not realize until this evening had never spoken to each other in audio form. It has been strictly, I guess, digital text up to this point. Yes, indeed. Uh, we're joined by Dr. Chase Nordengren. Doc, how are you this evening? I am doing quite well. I should say, before we get off the topic of gifts, that this podcast has really upped my gift game. Um, That's I'm not awesome. a pro. I'm not a pro giffer. I'm probably a pro am giffer. Um, but I feel like he's a prosumer. A, a prosumer. I'm a prosumer giffer. Um, <laughs> but I definitely, I definitely came away developing my own workflows, and now there's some really complicated stuff in Alfred that lets me take the what used to be the five gifts that were important to me and are now like the 35 gifts that are important to me. And now I find myself sitting in front of a computer, just browsing Giphy, which is something I never would have done before. <laughs> it's really changed my life guys. Is what I'm saying. The podcast has changed my life. See, we're here to help people. We're here to help people. Let me tell you, you what really changed my GIF game, besides the GIF workflow management, GIF management workflow, the GIF episode that we did here on Dot .grid, and if you weren't tuned in for that one, we're going to make sure to put a link to that in the show notes, which are at nerduprising.co slash .grid slash some number between 10, 10 and 12. 10, we're at 10. Good. .grid slash 10. Um, what really changed things for me, Chase, and I will, uh, I will share these with you as well, is Andy shared with me via the Dropbox his synced folder of gifts, which has got to be more than a hundred gifts deep, Andy. Is that about right? Um I would say more almost more than two hundred gifts deep, but I'm not not bragging. Just swag I think, I'm just swagging. Uh, doctor, I'm sorry that you had to be present for that. He's also can we start calling you Doc? 
You can call start start calling me Doc. Uh, there are a couple of people who have called me Doc, and I'm really enjoying it in a weird sort of way. Is one of them Jake Bilbray? Jake has not. Jake Jake just sticks with Nordo, um, and that's fine. Like, He's so disrespectful. That, that can just be a you know a special thing in between us. But there's <laughs> there's a couple of there's a couple of people who have uh, gone with Doc, and I'm 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 taking it up. That was back in the day when I was a teacher. I always wanted to be called coach for some reason. I don't know why, but everyone I knew that coached something, whether it was basketball or bowling, I called them coach. I just feel like it was also kind of a exact. Well, not I don't want to get fired, but yeah, just in general, coach anything. I didn't. I didn't. Well, no, I not at all. No, didn't. you haven't met me, but perhaps you have heard of my non-athletic escapades on the internet. They are of some infamy, and by that I mean I have none. Ever? I'm just. I mean, I don't. I don't want to overthink this, but that seems like it might be a prerequisite to being called coach. Uh, yeah, I almost assistant coached soccer just to be called coach, um, and I don't even know that much about soccer at all. I read some books, which is a very will thing to do when it comes to coaching something. I read some books. I watched a video on the uh, on the YouTubes. I got. I've, I've used the soccer sticker pack on Facebook before. No, there's that. Yeah. There's that soccer going on right now. I can watch the Women's World Cup and pretend like I know something. There's too much running in soccer for me. Not a runner. I get hot very easily. Yeah. It's hot It's hot on the West Coast. That's what I Is hear. Is it not, Andy? Is it hot where you are? Is it ever hot in San Francisco? It's um, surprisingly yesterday, at least down the peninsula a little bit, it was 90 degrees. We were, we were sweating. And then I had dinner up in San Francisco, and it, it got cooler pretty quickly. But I guess it's pretty hot up... Uh, up north of me. Is that right, Chase? Doc? It is. Um, I mean, just like snow or any other weather event, I think it's not really how hot it is. It's how prepared you are for it. Yeah. So, you know, it's not as hot here as it is where Will is or even where you are, Andy. But we yeah. have a lot less air conditioning. So yeah. it feels a lot hotter and it wears on you all day. Just sort of. Yeah being in it constantly this has been the u.s weather report with phil chase and andy <laughs> thanks for that why why did my name get changed and everybody else's name stayed the same why did you call me phil did i call you, did I, <laughs> you, yes, yes, I call you phil? why did you call me phil i have no idea why i just called it's you my phil. alter meteorology ego no <laughs> yeah so. yeah it's my alter ego that does phil meteorology wangy. phil wangy <laughs> phil wangy <laughs> uh here with the weather report thanks you called me phil i have no uh, idea why I, I was staring at something else I guess so. Uh, anyway, I remember when we lived in Portland, we were there for what at that point was the record hottest temperatures that they'd ever had. And it was like 98 or 99 degrees. And we only had one window in our apartment that would hold the window unit. So my wife and I stayed in essentially the same 35 foot by 35 foot room for about a week. We only went into the bedroom at night when it was dark to get clothes to change into. We s- slept on the mattress on the floor by the air conditioning unit and put ice blocks in in front of fans oh, in what I called frontier air conditioning so that we could even sleep at night because neither one of us does well hot. Mm. Um, so Phil Wangy is really up, uh, not happy that it's as warm as it is where you guys are. Chase, were you telling me that it's um, damn near 80 in your apartment right now? Um, it is. And according to the little widget on my menu bar, it's now like somewhat cooler, like 75 outside. So hopefully the temperature in the apartment is going to come down a little bit. But um yeah, we're on the top floor, so it, it retains a lot of heat. I thought you were going to tell me the widget on your status bar told you what the temperature was inside your house. 
And nope. I was like, you didn't tell me about this app when I bought the MacBook. I got to get me one of those. No, for that, I got this little uh, Ikea clock dingus. That uh, it, It's a clock, but then you rotate it, and it's a thermometer, and you rotate it again, and it's a timer. And you mm-hmm. rotate it again, and it's an alarm clock. Uh, dingus, I think that was time for you to ring the bell, Andy. I think that was what you were supposed to do at Dingus. You were supposed to beer bottle with the pencil. There it is. Um, I'm basically so like, we, a, like a super poor man's Merlin man is what I am. You're super. Per, you're a super poor Merlin man. Super poor. Super poor Poorland man. What what happened? We used to. That was bad. Even that was that was bad even for you. Um, for those of you that get upset when we don't get right into the topic when we start the podcast, you are really unhappy with this episode. And why are you even listening to to us? (laughs) Yeah, this is this is probably going to go downhill quickly for you because the three of us talk on a semi regular basis, and I would imagine that. Even the very loose topic that we have this evening is probably going to be um, deterred and distracted from at least a dozen times. Uh, we have Dr. Nordengren on this evening because he just finished writing uh, a very long dissertation, which I had the honor of editing and proofreading for him. It's uh, It was about, a, on my end, about 190 digital pages of informal leadership in schools, which um, is appropriate because you're now a doctor of education. Educational leadership and policy studies is that right yes sir it's almost like you sent that to me in the skype window and i wrote it down at some point which did not happen i just pay attention um and the process of writing a dissertation from conversations that i had with you took i would say not i would say you can tell me how long did it take the majority of your four years while you were in school about two and a half years how long did that take you well the formal part of the process was probably about a year and a half two years from sort of first word to last word but it's really one of those things where if you don't if you don't start thinking about it on day 1 i think it's very easy for 4 years of a doc program to turn into 7 um so there's definitely you know i've definitely got notes and ideas and brainstorms that reach all the way back to you know 4 summers ago um but the you know the actual process itself probably about 2 years well, two years of work and four, uh, not four additional years, two years of work, two years of brainstorming sounds like you probably had the opportunity to really use a multitude of tools. And that was one of the big reasons why I wanted to have you come on the podcast because we've had, you know, Aaron Draplin on talk about some of the stuff that he used. We had Mike Rohde on. We had uh, Joey Cafone from Baron Fig on last week to kind of talk a little bit more about. And Harry Marks. Um, we have to mention Harry Marks. We've had oh, Harry Marks. We've got to put it in the. Ep- uh, there we go. The ten out continues. of ten episodes. Ten out of ten episodes. One mention of uh, at least one mention of Harry Marks. Um, he and I were having a conversation on the Twitters earlier today. We'll have to talk about here in a little while. I'm sure we'll, um, I was going to say, I'm sure we'll go off into comic book television crossovers here before too long, but Chase is not very well versed in the comic books, if I remember correctly. So maybe we'll get there. Maybe we won't. Um, in the four years that you've been working on this, you more than likely had the opportunity to use some of the analog and digital tools that we so often discuss here on the podcast. And I wanted to have you on because I feel like it's about time we had a regular person on besides Andy and myself, not to pigeonhole you into being too regular. Um, but somebody who had an opportunity to use some of the tools in real life, you know, almost stress them and, and push them to some of their limits. I'm not saying that you were, you know, trying to patch wounds with a field notes or anything like that. It's a field bandage, field notes, field bandage brand. It's got the cross on it now. Oh, God. Um, So I wanted to talk about some of the things that you may have had uh, the opportunity or may have had the occasion to use, whether you kind of tended to go more analog or tended to go more digital. 
Um, starting back in the brainstorming area, was that something that you kept like a text file and just constantly added to? Was that something you carried on a notebook? Um, how how'd that process go for you? What, was, what did brainstorming look like for you? So it started, I think it started very digitally, and I sort of started uh, the doc program with kind of a, an, a needs assessment of what I thought I was going to need. And, um, you know, I, I came in, I think I came in with a, a pretty terrible sort of uh, Linux netbook, actually, I think it was. Wow, netbooks. I mean, that just... <laughs> Just saying the word netbook reminds me of how long ago in the digital world this was. I want to um, remind everyone I recorded the first four episodes of this podcast on a netbook. So On a Linux <laughs> netbook. Yeah, well, yeah, it was a Linux netbook for a while. It was a Windows 7 netbook, and then it was a Linux netbook, and then it was a Linux desktop. And now I have the MacBook Air, which is going to be the topic of an episode at some point, because that's kind of been a running joke for us. Uh, I interrupted you, Doctor. I think that means that you get to reach across the internet and smack me now. I apologize. You were saying? No problem. So um, I I realized pretty early that there were going to be sort of two apps that I was really going to need to get serious work done that sort of drove me um, into the Mac's arms and and ended up with the first one. Um, The first one of which was Scrivener, um, and that was you know, about four years ago, Scrivener is this, um, it's a, it's a writing app, but really it's sort of a combination writing and outlining app. And it's an app that over something like word, um, really manages to bridge the gap between the part of your writing where you're putting paragraphs together and you don't really know what order they go in and the part of the writing where you're exporting the finished product. See, I love that. It's, um, I've definitely seen Scrivener used and talked a lot about by, uh, novelists, people who use it to kind of further the plot and kind of piece things out before it happens. And I've I've never been a well-structured enough writer to really go in that direction, but Scrivener really fascinates me. I've I've never used it personally, but I've seen it used a lot, and it's super cool. Yeah, and Scrivener's level of development for academics is not as strong as it could be. Um, and I definitely spent a lot of time, particularly here towards the end, uh, kind of sifting through the manual, trying to figure out the little formatting tweaks that I needed to make in Scrivener's compile settings uh, to make my dissertation come out the way I expected it to come out. Um, but one of one of the things that I think Scrivener does, or at least did for me, that um, the nerds don't often talk about, um, so much of the, the process of writing and production um, in this kind of work, and I think in most kinds of work, is done for other people. And most people expect to double click on a Microsoft Word.x file and have something appear on their screen that looks exactly how it would come out of their printer. Um, and for those people they writing expect a plain to be text, WYSIWYG, if you will. Yes. And for those people writing a plain text file in Markdown doesn't quite work. Um, for those people, yeah. when those people ask you to write two or three pages, um, you know, a text file that keeps track of the number of words you've written doesn't really work. So that's my, when you get a Phil Wangi, Wangi to come and help you. <laughs> I, I do what I, well, and I had him send it over as a rich text file because I figured that was going to be the most cross platform and that I don't, I don't even know how the formatting turned out. Did I really screw your formatting when we did that? Is that, that uh, messed things up a great deal? No. And so this is, I mean, it's a, um, this is a potential downside of, of, of Scrivener is that what I ended up doing most of the time when I got comments back on pieces was to, to take them and essentially manually um, 
sort of copy the comments or the changes back over into my Scrivener file. The Scrivener file became kind of like a, a master file from which when I needed to export something to Will for proofreading, I exported an RTF. And when I needed to export something to my advisor, I export it this way and that way and the other way. Hmm. Um, and that's definitely, that's definitely a lot different than, say, how Word expects you to use something like track changes. But I didn't, you know, because of a variety of experiences, I think I don't trust Word at a, at a document of that size. And also Scrivener is kind of where where things started. So I, when I was in that page where, stage where I had, you know, much less than 190 pages, um, Scrivener was a great way to sort of carry in pieces of writing from other places and pieces of writing that came out of my exams and um, little bits and pieces that had developed here and there and times when I'd woken up at two o'clock in the morning and had an idea for a paragraph. And all of that sort of was able to come together in this one place. And what Scrivener makes makes it pretty easy to do in its sort of binder view um, thing. And, and there are probably videos that, that show this that we could link. Um, makes it really easy to sort of drag and drop those sections around and see how they fit together and see how they flow with each other and make those kind of changes on the fly. Wow. That's cool. Now, we, we did try to use track changes in Google Docs, which is something that I've done before. But again, with a document of that size, it is remarkably difficult to go through all of it, especially when... Um, and. I don't know if we mentioned it earlier. I think that we did. We This is the third time we've tried to record the podcast now. Thanks, Skype. Um, that I edited, uh, I copy edited and proofread Chase's dissertation form. I know that I was remarkably particular about things like commas, and there were many. I, I, uh, I learned that I use commas way too much, which is an important well, lesson to learn, uh, you know, at, at 26. So <laughs> that, that's fine. At least you learned it now. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't as bad as I make it out to be, but when you're making small, tiny changes like that, Google still pops up a massive bubble over on the side, deleted this, added this, and I tried to do the best I could to to document why those things were happening, and Google Docs is great for that, but when it gets to be a document of more than 100 pages, it's it's really easy to miss a comma to not to miss a comma, but to miss a comment here or there and still have it open over to the side. So um, I'm not saying that's the best way to do it. I've never really been a fan of any kind of track changes. It, 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 it has always confused me, which doesn't really have a point. This is just me going on a rant about track changes in Microsoft word and Google docs. And why can't there be a perfect, um, and do you use a lot of markdown editors? Is there anything? Is there anything out there that I can run to that will make me less angry? Oh man, um, this is—I I can't remember if I've talked about this before, but there used to be a really, really great uh, markdown app for the on the web called Editorially. I think I've talked about this before. Um, it it had a really good track changes editor. It allowed, allowed you to roll back to different versions as well, um, sort of like. Um, the Apple Time Machine stuff, or is that what it's called, Time Machine? I think so. Yeah, um, but I, um, I don't know. There's actually, I kind of like how uh, Quip does it. Um, it's, it's not really a Markdown editor, but it's it's interesting when you make a change to something. When somebody else makes a change to something you wrote in Quip, um, it makes the change, but it also tracks the change in the sidebar in sort of a linear feed. Um, and then if you, let's say you were to go put your cursor where that feed was, um, it will kind of roll back up to some of, uh, it will, 
if you select that text, it will just show you sort of like a mini timeline of the changes made to that text. So if you're looking at a, I mean, it would never, ever work for like a dissertation. It would never work for something that long because that feed on the side would be so long. Um, but for shorter documents, it works pretty well. Yeah, we uh, we use it for show notes. I've started to use it for uh, some of the reports and things that I've been writing up over on uh, on our small business consulting side. It does not offer very much in the way of formatting, mm-hmm. um, which is a little frustrating for me. But I tell you what, there is nothing – I have not found anything easier to drop in images and spreadsheets. And uh, I can use a little bit of mark down here and there, and it picks it up. If you don't need anything too remarkably complicated and you need to collaborate with somebody, and especially if you're um, not anti-Google but a little wary of keeping things in, in the Google Drive area, uh, Quip is definitely – um, Quip is definitely a tool that you should look into. Um, has a nice chat we, feature too. Yeah, we like it. Well, and I, yeah. I you know, it's it's partly an issue of length that wouldn't have led me that way. And you know, listen, I personally love Markdown. There's a million MD files on this computer doing a variety of things. And when I'm making stuff just for myself, I'm more likely than not to pop open a text editor and just plop something in there. But and, and I, I I sort of hit this point not not to rag on you guys but to to kind of rag on the um the digital productivity community generally <laughs> my advisor retired this year he's maybe in his early 70s he was he was not going to be convinced uh to use the new uh markdown track changes format um <laughs> it, it it was it was going to comments back were going to come in word track changes whether i liked it or not yeah um, and so a big important part just of play work- ball uh, an important part of the workflow is figuring out how to how to play ball and how to um, be able to appease those multiple parties, but still have a set of tools that I felt comfortable with and that I felt were flexible enough to um, do the kind of work that I wanted to yeah. do in 2015. And so Scrivener handles and, that and Markdown's really, pretty well. Yeah. Markdown's really geared toward, you know, writing for HTML as well. Like it's not, it's not particularly good for if you're writing something that's eventually going to be either printed or bound or something like that. It's, it's really best for just like taking stuff and making it HTML. Right. And, and Fletcher Penny, you know, we're getting into the Markdown weeds now, but Fletcher Penny, the guy who created multi-Markdown is, is doing some work to, to make that better and kind of link Markdown up with LaTeX, which was like the 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 proto markdown was the um was and still in in some circles is like the the markup language used by particularly hard scientists and economists and in, in laying out papers and laying out equations and papers and all of that but you know hmm. there's still a there's still a, a ways to go and latech is one of those things that kind of hasn't really kept up with the times and and was something that was going to be more trouble than it was worth to learn um yeah, that's interesting. Um, just uh, to switch a little bit, um, I'd really be interested to know um, when you were in the research phase, what you used to um, capture research and like organize it and just kind of store it. Um, did you use Evernote? Did you use PDFs? Did you use your camera on your phone? So there's a growing um, there's a growing sort of suite of not suite. Um, there's a collection of apps designed specifically to um, keep track of academic papers. 
Of um, course there is. That's awesome. And the, and, and the reason why that ends up becoming a big issue is that in addition to sort of keeping track of files and notes, which something like Evernote can do, they keep track of citations. And um, doing citations by hand is an incredible pain in the ass. Um, there's no reason yeah. anyone should do it. Um, and so almost all of these applications now offer some kind of function that lets you export a bibliography or sort of copy paste in a particular format. And they keep up with format changes, like when, you know, APA revises their format and the Chicago Manual revises their format and whatnot. Um, I have been a devotee of Mendeley, um, which is an app that was originally um, independent, um, got bought by the journal publisher Elsevier. Um, maybe in sort of year three of my doc program. Um, and for, for reasons we can go into about sort of the change of tools kind of caused me a little crisis of confidence at that point, because I, I, when I heard the news did not particularly trust that they were going to be good stewards of the app. But anyway, um, <laughs> what, what Mendeley does well that I think apps like papers, which is very popular on, on OS 10, um, Zotero, which is popular across a bunch of systems. Um, don't do as well. Mendeley is really good at file management and it's good at letting you put um, papers in multiple buckets. So in yeah. the way that, in the way that, you know, I mentioned the process of, of doing any kind of uh, doctoral work is kind of cumulative um, papers that I had used for um, coursework um, research papers that ended up cited in coursework papers ended up being cited in, you know, um, a dissertation proposal ended up being cited in this project over here that I did with some faculty ended up being cited in dissertation. Um, and Mendeley has this system of kind of virtual folders or virtual collections that let you keep track of those little pieces and um, put those um, put a document in each one of those buckets, but keep on your hard drive just one giant folder full of PDFs. Um, and hmm. Mendeley sort of manages that folder for me and names all the PDFs after author's last name and year and takes a lot of the headache out of the process of um, keeping all of those in one place. Wow. And so when you have sort of this, this big kind of glut of, of PDFs, how do you then go back through it? Do you just kind of like go through it one by one and mark it up or um, just kind of consume it? Or does it also allow you to then kind of go in and then I guess process it too? So highlighting, <laughs> I, that was a big sigh. Um, highlight, <laughs> sort of highlighting and note taking was one of those things that, and this is a recurring theme. I feel like I tried a bunch of things and then never quite got right. Mm -hmm. um, Mendeley offers some built-in highlighting features, but they don't really work well with the sort of backend um, OS ten highlighting. You can obviously do sort of highlighting and note taking in preview, which works okay. Um, there was an app when I started called Skim that was an attempt to um, make highlighting a little bit easier, make it a little bit faster to make notes and keep a note pane on the right hand side. And then, right as I right as I'm finishing now, of course, um, there's a new app that I really really like called um, Annotations. Is it called Annotations? Wrong. Hang on, just a second. Captivating I podcasting. Get, I want to get the name of this app right. I'm sorry, I'm just mixing up two. Um, there's a new app called Highlights, which um, lets you do um, the same kind of PDF underlining and highlighting and note taking that you're used to, um, but also keeps uh, a pane on the right hand side 
where you can keep notes in Markdown um, hmm. and copies the highlighted text automatically from the left-hand pane where your PDF is to the right-hand pane where you're keeping notes and does a cool, uh, a lot of cool things with document lookup. So if I was going to do it all over again, um, I think I would use an app like Highlights to keep sort of a separate folder of notes on all of those documents and then have them both to kind of refer you, back and forth between. You could see how Goofus and Gallant do it in Highlights. Uh, you can, <laughs> sorry. Nice. Good highlights yeah. connection. Happy with that. Yeah. Um, millennial Gen X jokes. <laughs> While we're talking about highlighting and note taking, I did want to point out that my, uh, my read it later service of preference Instapaper, which Andy, you, I believe you and I fall on different sides with that. Are you, uh, you're a pocket guy, aren't you? Um, I'm using pocket for now, but I kind of switch back and forth. I, I like Instapaper a lot. Yeah, they just added um, a notes kind of thing. They added highlights, I think, back towards the beginning of the year, and then they just added uh, notes and annotations to articles as well. So for those of you who do a little bit more reading on, I don't know, like Wired or The Verge or Mac Stories or what have you, uh, and you keep that stuff in Instapaper, you can do what Chase did with far more boring documents and add highlighting and annotations as need be. And um I'm sorry if I offended you by calling them boring, but oh, I... Oh, they're boring. They're incredible. Oh, good. Oh, thank God. Okay, I just I was like, oh, God, he's never coming back, and he's going to send those people he threatened to send to my house. Um, so we've talked a lot about the digital tools that you've used. Um, I know that you're a guy that is a fan of the analog as well. You're a, you're a pen collector, if I remember correctly. We, maybe we don't call it a collection. Maybe we call it a, uh, an active toolbox. A horde. Of, of, a horde. Yeah, we'll call it a horde. You have room to talk, Waffles. <laughs> um, <laughs> what kind of analog tools did you use while you were, I don't know, maybe doing field research or trying to put things together? Are you, did you write those paragraphs in a notebook on the side of your bed at 2 a.m., or did you actually physically get up and walk across the room to type them into the computer? So I think the, um, the, kind of de- the, the line of demarcation um, for me was that all of the kind of production elements so everything that ended up getting sent to somebody as a document started in a digital way and i i you know when i'm i'm writing in that way when i'm writing in paragraphs um i'm still a faster typist than i am a writer and so it ends up being that way um but the analog tools were useful for brainstorming idea creation jotting down notes um and i started out kind of a a a novice at all of those things and then the last um couple of years my analog obsession has really grown. Um, so, you know, I, I ended up picking up the big collection of, of pens and notepads. Um, I think the one that probably got the most use, um, I'm a big fan of uh, Rhodia, the paper generally, and also the dot grid stuff. Um, you, you know, somebody should, somebody should title a podcast that or something. Dot grid, we appreciate that. Thank you. Shout um, out to dot grid. So, so actual dot grids, um, the Rhodia number 16 dot grid pad which is roughly um it's probably a six size it's like a sort of five by eight but it's really sort of a nice little desk blotter that just sort of sat to the right of my magic trackpad and anytime that something came to me it just sort of ended up getting jotted down on one of those pages and those pages end up sort of having to be processed in some way but um having it right in front of me was a real good i was a real good way to both yeah feel like i could turn to something so real great. quickly to jot something down but also keep in my mind the sort of ongoing process of 
thinking and idea development and that sort of thing. I'm uh, actually, you know, the first time I ever saw a roadie notepad, it was on an episode of Good Eats. So, Alton Brown was using the uh, little list size one. Looks like a little reporter's notepad. And I was like, what is that orange notepad? I'm actually sending to you via messages right now. I have a Rodeo number 16 pad here. It's a blank one, yeah. but I took a picture of it on top of the Such MacBook keyboard. Um, and I'll put that in show notes so people can see what size it is. Yeah, it's about a, he's right. It's about an eight and a half by, wait a second. Is there a measurement listed on the back? There is a number 16 pad is a 5.8 by eight by three. That 8.3, that's a lot of numbers. Oh yeah. Um, actually, to get back to the side of the bed, I have one of those by the side of my bed, also in dot grid, which is is uh, where the where the two AM ideas come from. Um, my kind of graduation gift to myself um, was to go to um, this Etsy seller, One Star Leather Goods. This guy Keegan, who makes these really gorgeous uh, pen sleeves and pen cases and field notes cases and all of that and order. Yeah. Uh, he has this sort of miniature size pad folio that's made for that Rodia 16 and also holds note cards and business cards and a, a pen and a pen loop and all of that stuff. And I sort of got that for myself, um, both as a gift and as kind of the, I, I see his what stuff I take a lot on, out um, on job interviews on now the and what group. I take on um, what I took to my dissertation defense and all of that sort of my, <laughs> my little piece of, of, uh, analog professionalism, but it's, it's, his work is just, his work is just impossibly right? beautiful and durable and, um, really just sort of a joy to pick that thing up and use it. So, um, when you are using your Rodeo notepads, um, just to get a little bit erasable on you, um, what is your what is your preferred writing instrument of choice? And it's okay if you say pen. I have, I mean, I have so many, as 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 we've mentioned, so many pens and pencils circulating around here. And I think at at, at some point, I kind of settled with myself that it would be okay if my notes, you know, that came ripped out of various Rodia pads and notebooks, were all in different colors, and the colors didn't mean anything, and the particular <laughs> writing utensil didn't mean anything. Um. Some things that I like, though, um, I have been a fan of the Pilot High Tech C uh, for as long as I've been into um, pens and, and writing instruments generally. Yeah. Um, so I have a, a on my desk. I have the High Tech C Cavalier, which is this um, sort of office grade, um, now sort of partially discontinued um, High Tech C that that ended up getting a lot of um, a lot of notes down on the page. The the, the sales pitch on the high tech C for, for those who haven't heard it is that the um, gel pen that you are buying at the office supply store is almost surely too wide. Um, yeah. And for me, it was definitely a case where all, all my life I sort of went through thinking I had bad handwriting and then I picked up this pen and it felt sort of night and day in terms of what changed. And, and I ended up getting deep into first micro gel pens and then, then all kinds of pens because I, it was one of those moments where getting the right tool and using it in the right way really transformed incredibly cheesy trans transformed how I think about myself <laughs> and my work. Um, and is it a 0.38 tip? It is the, the high tech C is 0.3. They oh, sell wow. Yeah. 0.25, 0.3, 0. 0.4. And the 0.3 was right in the, right in the uh, ballpark for me. What, what color is your ink? What color is my ink? Well, the, the Cavalier has a black refill in it because the um, Cavaliers only get sold in um, black, blue, and red. My preference is 
like every pen nerd on the internet, my preference is blue black. Um, yeah. And I've got a couple of the high tech C multi pens floating around here um, that usually have in them some combination of blue, black, red, green, orange, sometimes when I'm getting a little crazy. <laughs> um, you got to a really amazing part of the of education research. Yeah. Yeah. But those are, yeah. those are helpful of course, for, um, for highlighting and also for the the moments when I'm not quite formally mind mapping, but when I'm brainstorming yeah. and, and, and am sort of on the fly making a decision, okay, this color is going to kind of mean this, and I'm going to use this color to stand out this set of, of jottings from this other set of jotting. Yeah. Um, I was just at a Mito store um, in San Francisco over the weekend and playing with a 0.25 um, point pen, and man, they're so thin. I, uh, and then actually I found a gel pen that writes in 1.5 millimeters. That was really crazy. <laughs> it was, it was almost, almost like a marker, except it was a pen. I feel like that would just yeah. get everywhere, especially for you, Southpaw. It, um, it was pretty good. I, I just sampled it out. I, I was thinking about buying it just to, just to mess with it. But, uh, I, I was not at a point where I should be buying pens at that point. So, so, uh, so Chase, any, any pencils ever in your, uh, in your research notes? Oh, I, I, I do use um, pencils. I've got um, uh, Palomino Golden Bear, yes. which I know that you love yep. sitting in front of me right now, um, which I, I like to use when I'm on podcasts because it doesn't make noise. So smooth. Um, but um, I think the pencils get the most use um, whenever I'm dealing with um, a, a text of any kind. So whenever I'm writing notes in a physical book or on physical sheets of paper, you know, I, I, I like to use the pencil because, you know, I've got these, these wonky fountain pens that don't always play nice with office paper. They bleed through or whatever. Um, I don't always like to write in black ink on, um, <laughs> on, on books or printed pages because I have weird hangups about, uh, the underlying being underlining being the same color as the text. <laughs> um, so the, 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 the trusty number two pencil has become, my favorite sort of text annotation tool um and and gets used primarily for that though i do i do pick up pencils from from time to time and i pick up the fountain pens from time to time and i, I think the the underlying theme is not really that I, I i think of the writing utensils split out as particular utensils for particular jobs but that i really sort of wanted to cultivate the the joy of using them and allow that um allow the the fun that I have with them to kind of seep into the work and, and keep me mm. engaged and, and, and keep me from getting too frustrated with myself when I've been writing for too long or when I can't think my way through a problem. So it's really kind of a, I, again, it sounds kind of cheesy, but they're, they're kind of friends uh, along the journey and their own little eccentricities um, are, are ways of, of just keeping yourself interested and, and engaged and having something tactile to do um when everything else um in your life seems to be so yeah. cerebral it's like you're bribing yourself with your tools to get work done Mind yeah hack. absolutely so you know the 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 general rule is besides you know besides those little i like to use this for this thing that i just laid out is i i, I pick up whatever whatever i want to use that day um i pick up whatever i want to use that minute just on a whim because i like how it looks or i haven't used it in a while um, or I just filled it with a new exciting ink. Um, as, as yeah, as that little, 
as that little reward to myself to awesome. sort of keep going. So you you well, are um, you finished your paper. You're you're a doctor now. Um, you're getting it published. You were telling us before the show that you are getting um, you're getting getting it bound. I am getting it bound because you know part of this sort of analog 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 sentimentalism that I've been kind of expressing is you know I want that I, I want that physical piece. I want the thing that goes up on the bookshelf um, and sits yeah. there. Um, so I looked around a little bit. You know they're happy to. Um, the the companies that that deal in these things are happy to sell you what I'm sure is a very lovely um, bound <laughs> copy at at a price um, right when you right when you submit the thing. But what I found was um, uh, a group of monks, a group of Benedictine monks in Oregon, which is relatively near where I am. I'm in Seattle. Who um, you know part of the monks are supposed to sort of make their way in the world by sort of working half the day and praying the other half of the day. Um, but these particular monks, one of the things that they do besides the beer and the cheese um, is they do bookbinding and they sort of specialize in theses and dissertations and sort of one-off bookbinding. So it, I, I have, or I have on order um, for, for both me and for my parents um, a copy of the dissertation that is sort of hand bound in this, in this beautiful way and comes with a, a uh, a hardback cover, you know, they have to fit certain archive. I was reading a little bit about this. They have to fit certain archival association guidelines about how you bind something that's meant to go in a mm-hmm. library. Um, but they do that, but they also give you little options to pick a nice paper. So I p- picked a hundred percent cotton paper and I got to pick the, co- uh, the cover color and the, um, embossing and where that's it would so appear awesome. and, and all of that was, yeah, yeah. I I hear you smiling in your words because that for for a stationary or analog nerd like I assume, like I know I am, and I assume both of you are, and a good portion of listeners are. Things like that are it's the little fine details. How many? Uh, I know I can't say, and Andy, I can't speak to you, but I would. Uh, I I don't know how um, widely published you are. I've got some things on the internet. I can say I have a byline. I can't say I have a printed book that's bound by monks that I got to pick the embossing color <laughs> for. Like, that's that's some fancy shit, man. I mean, you paid a lot for it. Don't get me wrong. I can't even imagine what four years of grad school for educational policy would be. But that... I'm, I'm assuming... You earned it. I'm assuming it's, they're also writing it by hand, uh, you know, and doodling in the margins, like... You know, like early Bibles, right? Um, I, I wish. Um, they're, they're, um, I was actually surprised. <laughs> I, I've been ordering it today, and I actually talked to one of them on the phone, which I, 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 I was amazed that he was allowed to talk on the phone and take credit card numbers, but no, apparently they are. Um, it's like the monk version of Markdown. He just, uh, he's an early adopter. He's an early adopter. Um, no, pa- uh, Palatina Linotype, because that was, uh, yeah. that, that was the font that I decided to wed myself to. That's a good one. That's now, a good one. So, um, so how is it bound? Is it is it um, now we're getting real in the weeds? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> is it um, perfect bound or is it? I, I can't remember if you you mentioned that like how it's bound. Is it? It just it's just a book. There's a spine. It is. It is just a book with a spine. I was I was afraid there yes. for a second you were going to make me know what perfect bound meant. Um, oh, it's all right. It's uh, it's it's like um. Oh, like uh, the top of a Rodeo notepad. It has like the the cover that goes like over the stitches and the ligatures or whatever you call them, the signatures. 
I can't remember. I'm I'm really bad at bookbinding. I'll put a link um, to the Wikipedia article in the show notes. I would appreciate that. Um, for our show notes, it's, it, it's a. Oh, yeah. I was going to say for our show notes. Do you um, do you know the name of this this group of monks that bind books? Um, I do. the uh, The website is bookbindery.org. The uh, and I, I think it's just called Trappist Abbey Bookbindery. Um, hmm. I, if they don't send beer with it, you're getting ripped off. Yeah. Well, you know they've got they <laughs> they've got to keep food on their tables so I, I i understand why they can't necessarily ship liquid that far but <laughs> so um so you have a copy going to you I have a copy going to me uh do you have a copy going to your I mother have a copy going to my mother and we have a copy for a giveaway that's not true yeah. <laughs> no that's not true everybody write a dissertation into the comments uh no um do you have a copy going into like the uw library or is it a um I th- is that digital now? That, that has become all digital now. I think the year that I started was the last year that you were allowed to turn in a paper dissertation. Um, mm. But now it, is, now it is all PDF, and with it has come um, a, a, a decent relaxing of the um, sort of infamous guidelines about you know, the, the secretary from the office taking the ruler and measuring the margin and <laughs> making sure the margin was the right size. They're, they're a lot less strict about that than they used to be because now to make it legible all you really have to do is make sure the fonts are embedded um yeah and so i was i was i was grateful that i didn't have to write it in times new roman for one thing um (laughs) but grateful also that i would get a little bit of of leeway and not spend three weeks trying to fuss with the the margins and the heading sizes to make sure that they were they were perfect yeah that's awesome any, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, what we haven't covered yet. That we covered from the beginning. We obviously, we talked about research. We talked about the tools that you used to write it. We talked about publishing. Um, we can talk about the, we can talk about the change stuff and the sort of, cause, cause I do have some, some regrets, um, looking back yeah. now about how it all, all kind of ended up. Um, you know, I think there's a, there's a part of me that wishes there was one notebook where all of the stuff was. There's a part of me that wishes that I would have um, an object or even a text file or a, you know something that I could sort of pick up and chronologically see how this project evolved from beginning to end. Um, and what I ended up with instead was a you know sort of collection of text files in a folder and collection of ripped out pieces of rhodia paper that are sitting in a folder under my desk and um uh field notes notebooks and both both literal field notes and uh uh, the brand field notes um and just sort of all manner of other of other things sitting every which way and i don't know i don't know yet whether there's a way that i could have started from the beginning and said okay i'm going to use this one notebook or i'm going to use just analog or just digital and, and keep this all in one place um, I don't know how much of that dispersion is kind of an inevitable part of the progress process or yeah. how much of it is just from my lack, from my poor planning and my interest in trying a new tool every time it comes up. Well, and, and you would have had to, you know, kind of known from the start, maybe get like a, Oh, like a seven seas writer and one of those Tomoe river journal journal books just to like be able to fit everything into one single notebook. Because I imagine, I imagine it would have bled over into 
um, you know, into multiple notebooks, even if you you were using like a like a moleskin or something like that. Right, and then there's um, always there's always sort of the the worry. At least it's a worry that would occupy me that um, you would you would yeah. lose the notebook, and that would be the sort right, of thing. Exactly. That would be the sort of thing that makes yeah. you wake up in cold sweats. Um, just consider it like a like a distributed system or something like that. You just uh, you you were redundant. It was a redundant system. So if you lost one piece of it, you didn't lose it all. Yeah, your redundancies had redundancies. You can't exactly yeah. Dropbox a field notes notebook. Um, I guess you could like photocopy it or scan it in, but then it's not the same. That no one likes cheap copy paper. There's a reason we don't write on cheap copy paper. A, we're snobs about these things, and B, it's not. It's just it's not the same. B, we're insane. We are insane. <laughs> yeah, we we spend our money and time and efforts on things that most people um, just pick up at a glance. Uh, Chase, part of the reason that I wanted to have you on is because you and I were having sort of an interesting conversation. Actually, you said something yesterday that kind of piqued my interest. Um, we are recording this podcast on uh, on Tuesday. Yesterday, Monday, was the kickoff of the WWDC out in Andy's neck of the woods, and they delivered the keynote and talked a lot about the changes that are coming in iOS 9 and OS 10 El Capitan. El I think that's what we're Capitan. saying. Capitan. Yes. I feel like I need to put my foot on a barrel and my hands on my hips when I say that. And Stay thirsty, my friends. Wait, does that? Nope, that's Dos Equis. No, that was Dos Equis. <laughs> <That's- laughs> I like, I'm, I'm going to go with it. Yeah, it's okay. Keep drinking. It all makes more sense. With, they all look the same. They, all, they have mustaches. That worked out well. <laughs> Liquor, uh, alcohol representatives with mustaches. Uh, pretend I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> Continue. <laughs> that was Phil's fault. Um, I wanted to have you elaborate a little bit more. You were talking about sort of your hesitancy to attach too much to any sort of digital product because digital products have a tendency to change right about the time uh, adoption reaches full saturation for it to make uh, any sort of effect or impact on society and pencil and paper, as I was talking to my wife uh, about at dinner, works the same now as it did 15 years ago, as we assume it's going to work 15 years in the future. One, I mean, you talked about it as we were going through all the different products or the names of the products you used as you were trying to put your dissertation together. I can imagine it as scary as it is to think if I put all this into an analog notebook and I lose the notebook, I lose everything. Was it almost equally as scary to try to put something into a product or a proprietary format, especially with all the change that you saw going on around you? Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it, it would be easy for someone listening to this to, um, sort of talk back at their uh, phone and suggest all of the different things that I could have potentially done that would have made, parts of this process easier or more interesting or come with more features. And I, I can, you know, I can imagine more, a lot of those too. I can imagine keeping an Evernote notebook that had a collection of photographs of whiteboards of sketched out ideas with handwritten notes with all of that. I can imagine, um, you know, keeping those in some other place. But one of the things that I've become conscious of as this project has sort of gone on for, for four years is that the, the pace of the change of tech tools is much faster than that. Um, and if I wanted to be sure that I could get at those materials um, at the at, at, at the end of sort of the writing process to say nothing of, you know, 10, 20 years from now when I get all uh, sentimental and want to go back and look, um, that I really had to focus as, as much as I could on 
the digital formats that didn't change and um, leave leave aside some of the interesting, sexy new features in, in the process. Um, and yeah, it, you know, it's not a it's not an issue I have a good answer for, and it's sort of uh, I, I have that sort of FOMO, as the kids are saying these days. Um, I, hmm. I have that sort of FOMO for everything everybody's doing um, in the new um, in online-based tools or in tools like Evernote that seem to be adding new and interesting features all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's fun to kind of like reset up your infrastructure, you know, go in and just be like, okay, I'm going to use this thing. I'm going to try this out. I'm going to see how this changes things. So yeah, that makes total sense. You just can't like just take your dissertation and just import it into Ulysses now. And that's what you're going to use for a while. Right. And, you know, I talked a little bit in, in sort of the specific instance about the, the PDF manager that I was using Mendeley and when that got bought yeah. by um, a publisher and, and when that publisher sort of hadn't clarified really what they wanted to do with it. Um, I was, mm-hmm. I was very fearful um, at that point that they were going to shut it down or they were going to tar- start charging an exorbitant amount of money for it, or they were only going to give out institutional licenses and then I was going to have this collection yeah. of, you know, at the time, <laughs> probably 900 PDFs that I wasn't going to be able to yeah. to get at or manage in the same way that I was going to, in the middle of sort of writing my dissertation proposal when I really didn't have time to, have to learn a new workflow and maybe a new app for dealing with all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I, I don't have perfect solutions for all of those things. One thing that I do know is if... Uh, a tool gives me really strong export options, or if it's clear the relationship between a tool and a set of files that I can open and tweak, and if worse comes to worse, take out and put somewhere else, that my preference is almost always going to be that kind of direction. You know, Scrivener yeah. for the for the Mac nerds, Scrivener saves files that are basically OS ten packages that are full of RTFs, really. So I know that if worse comes to worse and if Scrivener dies in the apocalypse or whatever, I can crack open that file, take out the RTFs, and at least the writing will still be there. At least I will still be able to make sense of it. That's assume you survive the apocalypse. That assumes I survive the apocalypse. Also, if you uh, wrote it in WordPerfect, for example, you would not have been able to do that. <laughs> or Microsoft Works. Or I, I still have I still have uh, Clarisworks files from like Mac OS 7. Uh, and I know, I mean, we're we're joking about that, but I've heard the stories from plenty of people who wrote their dissertation in WordPerfect yeah. or wrote their dissertation in Microsoft Works. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I I decided one day just I was just farting around on the internet, and I was like, okay, I'm going to take one of these ClarisWorks Word files, and I'm going to figure out how to extract the text from it. And I basically ran it through um, three different conversions. I think I took it from Clarisworks to Appleworks and from Appleworks to WordPerfect and then WordPerfect to Word. Um, just using like, um, Zamzar on the internet. Uh, and it gave me all sorts of format formatting junk, but like eventually I was able to at least extract the raw words out of it. Um, yeah, but it, it's so that's definitely a thing. I have a, I have a question about Zamzar. Yeah. Um, when you use Zamzar, how many goats do you have to take as an effective sacrifice to make him convert your work? <laughs> uh, well, I um, I just uh, I had to sacrifice my firstborn, and you know, jokes on them. We don't have kids, so I feel like that's <laughs> it's a gamble every time you go with Zamzar. 
Yeah, it's Zamzar is fun, like interesting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was fun, but it's interesting to use because you never know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, I've used it for um, some images too, like some really weird ass tiffs. I've been able to convert to JPEGs that way. Um, but and, and title weird ass weird ass tiffs. <laughs> I think yeah. so. Uh, but also, it's actually really good. My uh, the coach of my sister's uh, basketball team, for some reason, writes everything in uh, Microsoft Publisher. And <laughs> oh, I, nice! I no idea why. <laughs> my dad, being um, not not a Microsoft Publisher user, um, he like can't open it, and he always sends it to me. and And all I do is put it in Zamzar and convert it to Word. And he he always like I always tell him like, hey, just go to Zamzar dot com and put that in there, and you know, pull it out as Word. But he never remembers that and just figures I have some magic where I can do that. So I Microsoft Publisher, I just don't understand. Just don't understand. For 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 those of you who don't know, Zamzar is a website um where you upload a file and it tells you all of the different kind of things you can export it to. And there's there's algorithms to export it like in any sort of an image, a weird ass TIFF, for example, uh, into you know a ping file or a JPEG file or or whatever, uh, you can do text files. You're allegedly able to do audio and video files, but um, they are it's super slow if you have a free tier. And I've never felt I needed to sign up for the paid tier. Um, but as as um, as Chase alluded to, sometimes it's a little difficult to use, and I just assume that there's somebody on the other end tracking all of my data. This episode of Doc Grid brought to you by Zamzar. How many goats do you cost? <laughs> Zamzar.com. Uh, it works w- most of the time. I would say 85% of the time it works, and the other 15% of the time I either end up waiting three days and not receiving the file, or I just – those old Discover card commercials where you would pick up and call somebody at customer service and it was that one weird guy with the Eastern European accent, I assume that's who's running Zamzar. Chase, I would ask how people could get in touch with you on the internet, but you has av- – you has av- – see, I quit teaching English for, for – fo- I, I can't have internet. internet. I quit teaching English for four weeks. I no longer understand pronunciation, enunciation, or subject-verb agreement. You have, as promised – Quit Twitter yet again. Yep. Oh, that's right. It's, so, it's just like a sport for me. It is. It's you're you're in, you're retired, you're in, you're retired, you sign a contract with another team, you laugh at that team, you take their money, you quit again. Oh. Um is there a way for people to correspond with you via the internet? Should they just send messages to Andy and myself and we can relay them to you? You know, they can they can they can send an electronic mail. It's this it's this brand new medium called electronic or email. What? No um, one's using email anymore, Doc. This is yeah. what happens when you turn off the internet for four years except to look at PDFs about educational policy. Yeah. You realize that the kids are using the Snapchats and the InstaFace scrams and and the Slacks. It's it's communication for teens. You can send Chase a uh, Snapchat. No, you, you can't send me a Snapchat on Snapchat. You know I'm, Snapchat? Th- thanks to you, <laughs> I was spending too much time on Yik Yak and then that needed to... That needed to stop. Yes. <laughs> but So uh, you can email uh, you? You can, you can email me. Uh, semicolons.net is the URL. Chase at semicolons.net is me. But also anything you email at semicolons.net is me. Oh, I'm going to email some vile things at semicolons.net just so you can check out the headers when it shows up in your inbox. Unless you email spam at semicolons.net, which goes straight to the trash. Oh, you set that up. Oh, I, oh that was smart of you. 
Yeah. So now when I, this, this is, you, you can, this is a little life hack. You can send your listeners away with when you sign up for a web service that you know is going to send you a lot of spam and you don't want to get it, just spam at your domain and you never have to see it. Can we just put spam at semicolons.net? I suppose you could. Uh, Fastmail yeah. <laughs> might get mad at me for sending them more to process, but. Well, you're paying them. I am paying them. It's their jarbs. You ever seen a picture of a wet koala? That's something that'll haunt your dreams. <laughs> oh, it's frightening. I'm not going to put one of those in the show notes because I have too much respect for our listeners. Andy Welfley, if people wanted to get in touch with you on the internet and send you pictures of angry wet koalas, how would they do that? Uh, it's uh, chase at semicolons.net. And no, <laughs> um, no, my, uh, my address is, uh, I'm, I'll give you my email address too in the, in the spirit of, of, uh, electronic email. Uh, it's, uh, Andy at wealthfully.com, Andy at my last name.com. And, uh, you can also find me on Woodclinched. Um, or if you want to go to Twitter, you can do that too. Uh, it's what the kids use. It's, uh, at a wealthfully. How about you, Will? If you wanted to get in touch with me, I am Will at nerduprising.co, or you can get in touch with me on the Twitters as well. That's at Will Fangy. It's W-I-L-L-F like in Frank, A-N-G-U-Y. You can get in touch with the podcast at dot grid podcast on the Twitters. It would also behoove me to mention the cash tag because we're greedy money grabbing assholes and we also one of us is also currently self employed. Should you feel so inclined, you can go to cash.me slash dollar sign nerd uprising and send us a dollar or five dollars or ten dollars. Um and I will make a solemn vow that for every dollar you donate I will give 10% to the soon to be unemployed Dr. Nordengren. Wow. Ten percent of everything that you send to us I will send to Dr. Chase Nordengren to put towards his book binding fund. And if we get enough money, maybe he'll buy us a book and we can give it away as a giveaway. So, uh, Chase, thank you so much for taking—I'm sorry, Dr. Nordengren. We're going to refer to you in the proper and the formal because we don't get doctors on here very often. Uh, Dr. Nordengren, thank you for taking the time to join us and uh, talk about some of the analog and digital tools you use in putting together your dissertation. Uh, you're more than welcome to come back and be our unofficial third host whenever you want. Oh, well, thank you. And uh, in conclusion, Amber. Amber. Andy Welfley, got anything else? Amber. Amber, I tell you what, we should— um. We should sit down again in a couple weeks and do this again. Sounds good. All right, man. We're out. See ya.